just a bunch of witty banter. Good play, Papa. Hey, I'll equip, you'll have equip, we'll both have equip. What's up, friends? This is Witty Banter, episode number 35. I'm your host, Chase Williams, and to the right is the kid with all of the cooks, Hunter Dorsett. You know I know how to cook. Oh. <laughs> I I'm just me. kidding. I've seen it happen. Chase is definitely the cook in, the, in, in our relationship, I would say, for sure. I'm the chef. You're oh, the cook. okay. That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Chef Boy R. Chase. <laughs> okay. How's it going, man? Uh, it's, going, it's cold out. Yeah, it's it's miserable. You mean? I think that's what you mean. Really. I, mean I wouldn't go that far. Oh, I'm miserable. So I don't like the cold, man. We we've had this discussion many times. I will blatantly. It's a, it's a good one. It's if a, I could go on a war against the cold, <laughs> I would. I would fight for for heat every day. Seriously, <laughs> that would be a pretty sweet like armor get up. Yeah, to be a warrior of the sun. Combat the cold. Yeah. Well, I'm in a great mood today because we got tickets to see Jack White in January. Baby. They sold out in four minutes. Yeah, that's pretty outrageous. And we yeah. got tickets. I'm excited, man. You said it's a pretty small venue, right? So we should be kind of feeling homey with Jack White, hopefully. I mean, it's it's small for someone like him, if that makes any right, sense. Right, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, he's an icon. So. He's massive. But yeah. yeah, I'm out of my mind excited right now. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I know that for the next two months, you're going to be salivating over all of his all of his work. So yep. It'll be I'm an gonna interesting... Just... Uh, anticipation journey for you <laughs> you're gonna watch me like slowly and slowly just get more and more anxious in my yeah. seat it's gonna be like a kama sutra orgasm you're putting off until january <laughs> all my chakras <laughs> will align i just pass out and like don't even mi- i missed the show yeah. <laughs> i missed it <laughs> like, but, dude we tried to wake you up but you looked like you were like having an awesome dream yeah so. we didn't want to stop you really <laughs> like you know what i appreciate that i kind of wish i was you well the the table feels a little empty this week right you know Coming off of two guest appearances. Yeah, man. Like, how, how refreshing was that? It was amazing. It really was so awesome. Uh, yeah. Having three people on the show is just, it's like the, the, the ideal, special sauce. The ideal. Know? Yeah. Well, I agree. We'll get back to that. That's fine, dude. We They got us. We can carry the load. It's been almost 35 <laughs> episodes. Share. Share the load. Share the load. <laughs> <laughs> it's been almost, almost 35 episodes of just us. Yeah, I mean, thirty-five. Like Woody Banter is getting close to that midlife crisis. It's getting, it's, it's edging on it. Yeah, it's, it's like past its prime, but it's still like a refined. But hitting its adult stride. Yeah, it's hitting its like really good adult stride. It's definitely not old, but it is. You know, it's, it's powerful. Defined, mm-hmm. even. Okay, good. Well, um, if you've listened to the show before, you know that what makes us so defined is that we, we review beers every episode. Yes, we do. So. The beer we're reviewing today is a Founders Brewing Porter, and it's called Dark, Rich, and Sexy. So we're already getting a, a brew chub. Right. Now, <laughs> go ahead and t- let them know what the, um, the percent little, is and all that. Let's talk about it. So the alcohol by volume, let's see, does it even say? Yeah, it's on the uh, top of the neck. Top of the neck. Six point five percent. Six point five alcohol by volume. Now, and Founders is it's interesting. Like it's a it's a brewery name that I hear all the time from people who like beer. I'm constantly seeing people post like pictures of them. It's a cool name for a brewery, in my opinion. Yeah, too. I do. I like it. Um, but it's not a beer. It's a beer that I've had. I've had their 
their different offerings maybe once, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can't say that I haven't really tried them, but I'm also very, I'm not very familiar with them. Right. You know, it's not Most like a, notably, you had the breakfast ale or stout, right? I've had the, yeah, the breakfast stout and um, I tried their all day IPA one time. Okay. Good. That and, was a, the Scottish ale? Or no, no that was an IPA. Okay. Right. And it, so, yeah, okay. so today we're doing the porter. Yeah. Just because it's cold and that's how you usher we in the just winter. Feeling a porter today or stout. Something something dark and sweet. I haven't even begun to get my nose near it, and I can smell it. Like the fragrance is so wow, strong. Yeah, it, it like shoots up out of my out of my little silo here. It smells good. I yeah. can't really. It's. A, I mean, it it smells like a stereotypical porter for me. Uh, you know, dark, sweet, kind of maybe some oh, coffee. It's so hits. good. Is it good? It's oh, so my gosh. good. Give I'm it a dive go. In, man. Give it a go. Unfortunately, I'm I'm sort of grasping and reaching in the air for ways specific flavor-wise to describe this beer, but it, it seems pretty complex, so it might take a little bit of time to keep sipping on it. Okay, yeah, I think? like this. Um, it has a, it, yeah, I think it has like a subtle complexity to it. it. In a way, like when I first drank it, I wanted to say that it was like a straightforward porter, you know, it was it was like what you expect when you drink a porter, but... There are some kind of like lingering differences that I feel like I can I can very slightly pick up on that I like. They're not like uh, they're not things that I'm I'm drawing away from it. So you know yeah. what we can expect from a porter is just the standard like chocolate, caramel, malt. Yep. But th- I mean, this one is sweetness, thickness, body. This one's super silky. Yes. Very smooth. smooth. Yeah. Good body. Um, just goes down really nice. That chocolate, I think, is the strongest. Right, yeah. the strongest thing. It it tastes like a big hunk of chocolate. Dark chocolate, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's called dark, rich, and sexy. So you'd think that they'd be kind of shooting for a dark chocolate feel. You know? Oh, that's sexy. Yeah. I wonder who this this chick on the front of it is. You want to give her a name or Matilda? Oh god. <laughs> okay. What is the? You don't want that? I just know that that you're gonna name your daughter Matilda. So I, mean, I, just I know just, you love that name, Chase. It's a cool name. I would name this chick like Esmeralda. Esmeralda. All right. Well, as we <laughs> keep sipping on Esmeralda, El- Esmeralda's beer. We're gonna get into witty banter. Yeah, let's do it, man. So this is witty banter. Um, I'm gonna go first. Please do. Here's a little nougat. Nothing too big here. Chewing. So, um, you, um, <laughs> U.S. Xbox One sales have tripled since November the November second price drop. Uh, meanwhile, the PlayStation Four has been the top selling console for the past ten months. So, for the month of October, PlayStation Four uh, the dominance has continued to reign on, but the sales of the Xbox One tripled in the past three weeks just from that uh, price drop alone. So do you have like a, a total sales n- number per month kind of thing? or like Not per month. I know that Xbox One has surpassed 10 million consoles total, and okay. PlayStation 4 is already well past that. Right. Um, also, if you were to combine the total Xbox One and PlayStation 4 numbers together okay. and compare them with the total PS3 and Xbox 360 numbers together mm-hmm. at the same point in time in the year, yeah. the number we have now is 70% larger than the Jeez. one sold like 10 years ago. Doesn't that surprise you? Oh, yeah. Especially with us you know, speculating that there is kind of this weight for people to jump in. Consoles are dead. Well, no, 
PC. Well, that, but also, you know, we kind of felt that there was a reluctance to for everybody to just jump, you know, head first into the the new consoles because everyone kind of wanted to wait it out and see how everyone was doing. Was that just us that wanted to do that? I or? think so. I mean, just look at how pervasive gaming has become in everyday it's just like commercials and advertisements. It, and, and, yeah, and then you look at. People are willing to buy a new iPhone every year, so why would not some? Why would somebody who loves to play whatever they play not be willing to get the newest thing when it came out? Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I guess that, in a way that that doesn't surprise me. Like you would hope that whenever you put out a big product that's better in every almost in almost every way than the last product, that you would have that seventy percent upheaval. But I'm just surprised that it played out that way. Yeah. You know? Like I, I guess I just I just I just thought that I you and I had a pretty good feel for the marketplace in saying that yeah there's always going to be those uh, those fast fall not fast followers early adopters early adopters that are going to jump in and kind of kickstart it but I thought that most of the sales would be made kind of down the line maybe a year year and a half after the initial launch and it looks like I mean they're well on their way to kind of like just getting what they wanted to do a lot earlier than I think a lot of people expected. You know? I think just the fact that when the numbers get released and it's like, oh, by the way, PlayStation 4 has sold like 14 million of these things, people are like, holy hell, yeah, I yeah. got to go buy that. You know, huge, just yeah. the fact that the momentum is there right? Yeah, is a, nuts. Good bit of inertia with, with uh, the movement. Now, it'll be really interesting to see if um, Xbox One ends up being the top-selling console for November. I think that if it's gonna if it's gonna beat out um, PlayStation Four in any given month, this is gonna be the month that it happens because right. we've got that price drop working towards it. Okay. And um, Sunset Overdrive, which is an Xbox One exclusive, oh, is out. Oh, I didn't out. know that was an exclusive. Yeah. Okay. So that one's out. Forza Horizon Two has been out for a little while. You know, it's another good reason to to get the system. Great game. And then Halo Master Chief just launched. Right. Um, and then, you know, you also have Call of Duty, which is out, and Call of Duty is typically associated with the Xbox. So we'll see what happens. If PlayStation 4 keeps it again, then holy hell, hats off to you, because <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's insane. That, yeah, that's that's some dominance. I, I was going to ask, I keep seeing commercials put out by Microsoft about Titanfall. Yeah. What I mean, did that thing just fall off the map? What happened? It's, there's people who still play it. Um and it's gotten some content updates. It's gotten some free DLC, which is really nice because DLC is typically not free. So it's gotten some free updates in that regard. And that's probably why they're pushing it again. It's like, hey, maybe you already played it and come now you should come back. But it did it did have a pretty big initial launch. And it after about a month, it fell off. And that was just because it's the first entry into the series, and they only had um, the multiplayer offering. There's no single-player campaign. Right, yeah. Do you think, how, you think that played a pretty big blow to the success that the first iteration had? I think it did because it sort of limits your just the replayability. Right, it's like, right. maybe I don't want to play multiplayer today, but I don't have anything else to yeah, do. Yeah, you can't explore as much. Yeah, pl know? plus the multiplayer didn't have like a huge offering of modes. You kind of just had like the basics that came out with it. So, okay. But the... Um, the gameplay is supposed to be pretty solid. A lot the of people, scope. yeah. A I mean, lot the of, anticipation for that thing was so much more. It sweltered into this. Dude, the this, hype was huge. It was, it was yeah. It, you, it was, you wonder if it's if it was more of a hype machine, you know, where it was like the theatrical trailer to a movie made the movie seem like it was going to be way better, but then it ended up being a flop. Or is the game actually good, but we just got way too hyped about it? And I think because what added to the hype. And 
the thing, this is the best way that hype can even be started was people who work for the websites that preview these games would go and play it at these trade shows. And every single one of them was like, dude, that was a blast. I can't wait for this game to come out. And so it was actually hands-on stuff. But I think what really tailed off was just the lack of offerings from the game. Okay. You know? Well, that's that's really interesting about Xbox and PlayStation. Um, yeah, I, I I think that right now is kind of like a breaking point to see if there's going to be that that overtaking by Xbox. You know, if they if they can really grab like a Christmas quarter and take a total sales number higher than what PlayStation do, they can really like kind of be like, hey guys, you know, we're still in the game, man. Yeah. Regardless of what happened last year, you know. Yep. People have short-term memory about that stuff. So. And like I said, I just feel like that last year was pretty <laughs> much they're gonna have to seed it, and all of the workings that they've done to remedy that are probably not gonna come into like real powerful fruition until around a year more afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah. to say one more thing before we get off. Phil Spencer tweeted, who was the head of Microsoft, that he was just recently at Rare Studios. Mm-hmm. Rare is the guys that did like Banjo Kazooie and a bunch of like really awesome games from way back in the day. Okay, Microsoft acquired Rare, and when they did, the the studio basically died. Like they haven't made <laughs> the games that the stuff they do for Microsoft is really crappy. But apparently, they're making a game right now, and it's supposed to be you know, okay, it, yeah. So it's another thing to I've be excited. I've heard for. of that name before. I don't uh, even know they did. They did uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Yo, okay. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. So they have the kids laughing and all. Yeah, that, that's them, okay. bro. Got you. Cool. That's, that's us laughing <laughs> every time we play. <laughs> who, who you're always uh, tipsy? Oh, tip top. Pipsy. Pipsy. I'm tip top. I'm the mouse. You're the turtle. It's because they're the fastest, man. They, they the, are. They literally have the best acceleration and the best turning. Why wouldn't you get them? Okay. All right. <laughs> Score settled. <laughs> Next. All right. So you want me to go? Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So, are you? Do you do Reddit ever? I what do you think shamefully about dedicate too much time to Reddit. Really? I'm so on you're Reddit a big every Reddit guy. day. Okay. Yes. Did you hear anything about their CEO stepping down? Dude, I saw a headline, but no. Okay, so I did a I did a little I read an article, um, and it was about so their CEO is this guy named Yashan Wong, and I'm sure I'm messing this up. It's Y A S H A N. So Yashan, I'm gonna call him. So yeah, Wong sure. basically had been working there for the last two two and a half years. Over his over his tenure tenure, he uh, expanded the site you know population by five times. Basically, he he made it five times bigger while he was there over that time period. And uh, he also worked for Facebook, and he was a big part of the scalability in Facebook uh, whenever he was there as well. So this guy like has a good amount of experience and like, he has a good resume. Interesting. But he stepped down as CEO for, of Reddit the other day. And, um, it was weird. It wasn't really by management pressuring him or people being unsatisfied while there were a couple of instances where he did some kind of shady things. Um, there's this one guy who was like a engineer for Reddit that got fired and he did like an AMA basically like people speculating why he got fired and stuff because he was like, I think this is unjust. And the, the CEO, this Wong guy, went on there and, like, busted him a new one. Oh, and so, man. Like, like, a lot of pl- employees were like, oh, this is kind of like, I don't know if I want my CEO to be doing that kind of stuff. Then again, I will say that's pretty unprofessional behavior right. to do the AMA in the it, first place. I think place. it's unprofessional on both both parties. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, you know, there, there were little things that people kind of, like, had, you know, uh, scrutiny for him about. But for the most part, he was a good influence on, on Reddit. 
And he stepped down the other day, and it wasn't from management's pressure. It was basically him acknowledging that it was such a high-stress job and that he was taking it on so much. He was his first time that he had ever been a CEO. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where he was basically, I'm paraphrasing his quote, but he's basically saying, like, it was my first time as a CEO, and I knew that it was going to be one of those jobs that was super high stress. But being that I had a lack of experience in it, like, I didn't know how much was too stress or how much stress was too much stress. So he had people like outside influences that were coming up to him, like, dude, you look awful, man. Like, you were, you look seriously for the past few months, they'll come up to him and be like, you look like you're miserable for, yeah. for a couple months. And, so I, I thought it was go to sleep. Yeah, right. You know, and 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 you hate hearing that. Like people people that love something so much that they're actually like it's taking part of them in a way. So I, I just thought it was interesting. They're gonna you know they already have like an interim CEO lined up and prospects for a new CEO. I didn't really care about any of that stuff. I just thought that it was interesting that you know this guy who has kind of validated that he has like a really strong influence in the internet community stepped away from arguably one of the best internet CEO positions that you could have. You know, he's the front page of the internet and he's the CEO and a voice for it. And he basically had to be like, you know, it's detrimental to my personal life and I can't keep up with it and I hope them all the best. But you know, yeah, I'm I, totally, I totally respect that reason too. After only two and a half years too. You know? I mean, yeah. And plus with the way, like when I, the way I interact with Reddit, besides the advertisements that are sort of like on the side every once in a while, it's, I don't see exactly where they get their revenue from. Like you can right. buy I mean, Reddit gold, which I'm, which gives you some sweet packaging or, you know, some different, uh, features or whatever, but I don't even know what those features are. And Reddit is all over the world. There's a, every country has their own, you know, Reddit site that's in their language and stuff. I have no idea what that company looks like. They probably sponsor a lot of like events and I mean, it, it, I agree. It, it's kind of. I feel like it's one of those business models that it's hard to pinpoint where you know their revenue streams might be coming from. But I. But overall, you know that it's so influential, and that it's such a big like. So many people are such a big follower of it that it has. It has to be getting something somehow. And when you say that they've grown by five. What was it? Five? It was five times over the yeah, past two, two okay. years. That's insane, right? Yeah. I don't know how long Reddit has been around. I'm sure it's been around for a long time. And mm, I'd be willing to say it maybe came around like 2005-ish or something. Which is a, I mean, that's like... 50. Internet time, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a relatively long time. But I don't think it got popular to me maybe like 2010. But know? that's what I'm saying is I can, I don't know if maybe I just missed the boat on Reddit for a really long time. But I can also see it getting more popular. Like mm-hmm. all the celebrities that do AMAs or all of the people, um, there, there's articles written on IGN and other sites where they're getting information from Reddit. Oh, because yeah. it's people on there who are privy to it who are posting it. Like, okay, well, this came from this Reddit guy and blah, blah, blah. And Yeah, that's the thing is when you get into a specific thread, it's like that thread keeps going. That thread doesn't just like bowl out in you know two weeks and people are like, oh, we've said everything there is to say. It's like they keep updating and like getting more and more yeah savvy with the specific thing that they're talking about. So it's like, yeah, that's a, literally a wealth of a pool of knowledge that you can draw from whether or not it's scholarly or not, you know, it's still like the voice of the people, especially if you see the karma points, you know, on a right. lot of one comment versus another. So yeah. Cool. That's do pretty you, much all I have. Do you use Reddit? I don't. No. Uh, I, You're a better man for it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I, addicting, dude. It's, it's stupid. How I much time wanna, you waste on I just want to, with my internet interactions, I just want to 
stop having to sift through BS. And that's I want what Reddit does, man. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like I, I'm, I'm gullible by nature. Just like that's how I was brought up with my brothers. Like I pretty much just believe everything my brother said. So I'm just kind of gullible by nature, honestly, and 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 so the internet is not like the best place for a person like me. <laughs> so so yeah, if Reddit is is one of those avenues where I feel like I can like learn about things and not have to sh- you know sift through a lot of the BS, then yeah, I'm probably gonna start picking it up then. Hopefully, I'm not. I don't think I'm as as uh, enticed by by stuff as you are. So hopefully, Let's watch I'm, out. I don't I'll think show it'll be you the ropes. Habitual. <laughs> you can get down to that rabbit hole. All right. Piggybacking off of um, company growth, according to a report by Internet or Entertainment Software Association, the gaming industry is growing at four times the rate of the U.S. economy. Jeez, okay. The industry grew 9.7% from 2009 to 2012, whereas the growth for the U.S. economy was just 2.4%. Uh, in the same period, video game-related employment rose at an annual rate of 9% versus the total U.S. employment rate, which was 0.724%. And total employment, direct and indirect, that depends on the video game industry, now exceeds 146,000 people. Nice. And I got all those stats from uh, an IGN article. Okay. Um, so, yeah, dude, the thing, it ain't, it ain't slowing down. Right. The, the train is off the tracks, and it's just going. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I, I don't really know, because I feel like, you know, if you're going to compare something to... If you're gonna it's compare such an a, unfair comparison. Yeah, it, it, it's, like, it's like putting a graph up. And you only show the range from ninety to a hundred instead of zero to a hundred. Yeah. Like, Look how much growth. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're comparing it to the U.S. economy. Of course, it's not going to be going up exactly. to five, six percent growth. But and so you know, if people that you know don't aren't aren't necessarily financially savvy, you'd be like, holy crap, the U.S. economy but blows. I, I, <laughs> I, I think that the you know the, the the source of the article and 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 what the article's getting at is probably true. Is that you know it is a um, it's booming. It is it's like accumulating you know inertia not just not just specific games or um you know specific like campaigns but but yeah just the industry as a whole is becoming this thing and and yeah i I don't really know it it looks like it's going to be something where it's going to start seeping into more and more kind of irregular audiences you know it's already doing that yeah like the like mobile games are so pervasive in everyday life. Moms. And yeah, and people don't realize <laughs> that they're gaming. You yeah. Know? They really don't. Yeah. But the amount of people playing Candy Crush and Farmville and whatever else, even if it's just like um mall mega story and stuff right. like that. Like yeah. it's everywhere. Well that's good, man. It's I, great. I, I promote it. I know you do. Plus, I mean think about Grand Theft Auto Five <clears throat> is the biggest entertainment launch of all time. Yeah. Or the, I think the most lucrative entertainment product ever. Right, and they're re-upping it again, right? Like Not a the, movie, you know. I want to see. We need to get what the total size of Hollywood's industry is, okay. and then the total for um, gaming. Gaming do relative because uh, you know people always cite uh, Hollywood films as like this world cultural driver. Mm-hmm. Um, but if cart, if or I mean, if gaming is bigger. That means that there's a big conversation not being had about the influence of games um, abroad, and I, it's kind of unfair to say that as if that that's what I'm focusing my 25 page paper thesis on. Even oh. is I'm just like, dude, video games, games are like the biggest <laughs> cultural driver in the world. Well, the only thing about you know why I would 
endorse the idea that Hollywood is more influential than uh, video gaming is because the barrier to entry to accessing a, or not the barrier to entry, but just having access to a movie uh, is so much lower. You know, there, there's so much more access and, and ease of being able to access a, a movie than there is because you have to buy the console, you have to have all the, the wires and, and the internet capabilities, and then you have to ha buy the game, you have to buy the controllers and stuff. There's a lot more things that you have to have in order to enjoy games, but it's like whenever people do that, they're spending a significantly larger amount of time playing games than they would be watching these movies or whatever. So. Which is perfectly valid when you're talking about console games. But if right, you think count, of, but if you think But if you think of like PC gaming, which is the... Have to have a PC. Have to have a PC game. Everybody, I know, but every, I mean, it's pretty much a given that if you're going to be a part of the developed world, you're going to have a computer. Right. And not only that, but even in places like China, where everyone does have a computer, the biggest, um, the biggest type of games there are free to play games, mm -hmm. which that's a free, that's a free entry. Yeah. And of course, like we saw with South Park, they're going to make their money in other ways, but. When, when you start having games that are just coming on devices that you already need for everyday life anyway, mm -hmm. then it's it becomes super pervasive. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and there are studies now that say that more people have access to cell phone, smartphones even, than people that have access to clean water. In Holy the world. hell. Yeah. That's insane. So that, that would be a point to, to what you're saying, is like, if everybody can do this mobile gaming stuff and that's becoming a bigger emerging market, then... Yeah, everybody has access to these games and stuff, even if they, you know, just the free stuff, you know. What I mean, what about, like, you know, we always, when we talk about games, we always talk usually about video games, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, when you say Board the gaming games. industry, yeah, I mean, when you say the gaming industry, does that exclude any physical um, sort of game-like interaction? I mean, would you put count Monopoly in the gaming industry? That's an interesting question. Question. Because um, when I think of the gaming industry, yeah, I only think about yeah. video games. Yeah, but there stuff. are still like tabletop gaming conventions, and tabletop gaming is still, it's definitely not as big as video games are, but it's still a thing. I mean, right. we have two board game stores within a mile of us. Yeah, two. Dude. You know? Well, I was just curious about, you so, know, I don't know how it's considered. That's a good question, though. But, and even, um, there are video games that are made today that use elements from board games. That's what I was hoping. And, and not only that, but people people even say that the video games as we know it, RPGs, text-based um, games that came out in like the 80s, mm -hmm. wouldn't have existed the way they do now without Dungeons and Dragons. So, oh, okay. you know, that's another well, yeah, you interesting just, layer. You just kind of wonder, because it, it seemed like it was the the progression happened where it was we had these physical games, then we moved to a digital format. But now people are kind of missing. I, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, I like being able to interact with things, you know? And there's a certain lack of interaction that happens whenever you're on a purely digital format. You know, it's like, oh, I'm pressing this button and it's happening over there. But, like, I'm not feeling it do that. Like, I'm not picking up the dog on the Monopoly board and putting it on this thing, collecting my $200 physically and, like, counting it in my hand, you know? So you kind of like the, the process is almost as important as the... I like the, the physical reality of things, you uh -huh. know? Sometimes digital digital does so many things that are, like, beyond my scope of understanding, but sometimes it's fun to just interact with stuff. Like That's true. Cars for humanity, you know? Like, throwing your, throwing your thing down. Well, check this out. Now you've got um, properties like Skylanders or Nintendo came out with their so-called Amiibo 
to- toys. And what, what that Never is, is you, oh, and then Disney has Disney Infinity. So these are three big corporations that okay. do this. And what it is, is you buy this game and you buy this little platform for it. And then you buy figurines. And when you buy a new figurine, you put it on your platform, that puts the character in the game. And then you do stuff with that character. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, Bridge the gap. So that's that is a, a way of like having a physical toy that you can play with outside of the game, but then you can put it on your your platform, and and have have it in your world. Right. Or even imagine if you did it for academic purposes. Like if you had a video game that your kid genuinely loved, you had a calculator that had a, a Wi-Fi thing, and it attached to the game. And in order for this kid to get to the next level, he had to solve this this math problem or something, you know? And he, like, calculated it, and it's wrong until he gets it right, and then it's like, congratulations, you learned how to do calculus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, it doesn't have to be just for, enter- just for entertainment purposes. I mean, I can see bridging that physical digital gap being used for a lot of different stuff. And I, I, I feel like family interactions would really benefit from that, too, you know? Having that, that tangible thing there that everybody can kind of, like, focus on. Would you consider, like, rock band? To be a tangible yeah, yeah. thing where me and my family can get together with some guitars. and Those are just kind of like s- different kinds of controllers. But yeah, I mean, it's something that you can interact with. And your physical movement is the reason why the game is progressing. You know, so your physical actions are... Then what about the Nintendo Wii? Because that's your physical movement uh, interacting yeah. with the game. Yeah. Which is that getting a little too far away from what you're trying to get I at? I think that that's I think that that's yeah. I think that that's prob- probably like the edge of what I'm considering as far as like bridging that gap because uh, that ultimately still feels digital. It feels like I'm just have two sticks and I'm just instead of doing this, I'm just doing this, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways. So I don't know. I I guess like I think that there, there is. There's still a lot of people that like playing board games, that like having a physical touch with some different things. I like counting money in Monopoly, man. I do. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, you Put get your, the house you down. Get your $500 bill. You're like, eh, bum, 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 I'll get a hotel on it. You know, park place. But yeah, I just think that it would be cool to like have more possibilities where like if I do something on this table that's sitting in front of me, it'll actually show up in that game somehow. You know? they've, they've made card games where you have a mat. And using the PlayStation Eye, you put a card down and it like turns your card into a dragon. Or imagine, or imagine even if you if we had a, um, <laughs> just like a, a yeah like a mat like almost like a yoga mat that was just a rectangle, and we played magic on it. Right. What if it had like a Wi-Fi receiver where we put down a card, it comes up on the screen, and then the freaking monster comes out, and you're like, oh! Yeah, that would be awesome. Sick, right? That would be sick. That's what I'm thinking. Sick, right? Yeah. I know. Someone call up so-and-so, let's get this going. But then, but then you lose so much of the fun that happens from actually playing the card game if you just sit on, a, on two sticks and watch the dragons do whatever they're going to do. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, okay, well, I summon the dragon. Cool, it happened. But when you're like... Boom, lay it down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you did that. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. So I don't know. Well, that was a great conversation well, that sort well, of sprang aside. off that. It's been <laughs> quite a quite a good amount of time in the episode already. Do you want to do any more news or do you want to go ahead and start bouncing off to the halftime? I can do one more news item and I can make it quick. All right. Well, let's, let's throw it in real fast. Okay. Then. So this has to do with Apple. Apple has recently... This is from Bloomberg. Apple has recently surpassed the capitalization of Russia's stock market in its equity. So 
Apple's oh equity. God. Apple's equity is six hundred and fifty-two billion dollars. Oh my God! Russia's equity or their stock market is entirely worth five hundred and thirty-one billion. So it's one hundred and twenty billion more valuable than the entire Russian market. That it's is pretty, insane. It's pretty crazy because I mean, you know, Russia is, has so many state-run businesses, and that basically has. That it's it's proven to have weak corporate governances in the businesses. It has high borrowing costs, and a lot of the, a lot of the streams are caught up in government funding, and so that on top of all the political stuff with Putin, do, you know, doing whatever he's doing in Ukraine and doing all this stuff. I mean, it's just hard to get investors to to want to go to Russia. So Russia's market, their stock market, capitalized is twentieth in the world. Apple surpassed that by 122 billion. They have 155 billion dollars in cash. Apple does, and it's they disgusting. they not only passed up Russia's stock market and capitalization, uh, it also surpassed Italy, 18th in the world, and Singapore, 17th in the world. Lee. So it's literally top 15 most valuable entities in the world, including uh, of including all governments. That's sick. <laughs> At that point, it's just like, what are they going to do Right, next? what are they going to do with billion dollars in cash? They could, they could do cash. anything. They could do anything. Yes. You know? Seriously. It makes me think about me bitching about them not changing the iPhone enough. That's just so small compared yeah. to what <laughs> Apple actually is. Yeah. That's insane. The way they put it is that if they bought the entire Russian economy, the, the entire Russian stock market, they could still have enough to give every Russian civilian a free iPhone 6. That's gross. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, the world's most valuable company has now surpassed the world's largest country's value. That's insane. Yeah. So, interesting. little food for thought, guys. Some sort of food. I don't know. God, I don't think I can digest <laughs> that. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our beer. All right. Let's do it. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. Alright, man. Um, we're back. Yeah. So how are you how are you vibing on this beer now? You know I'm liking this beer. I have been able to sort of acute my my senses to it a little bit more. So you start off. I really like the smell, first of all. Okay. It's almost got like a woodsy like I think the roasted malt, that sort of you know, ashy wood, m- nut even just sort of like that kind of just just it's think like you're about drinking it out of a forest exactly. <laughs> think about being in a freaking log cabin. Yeah, and that's what I'm this there beer, next to a fireplace. That's what bro. this beer smells like. It's, you want to put that situation on it right now? We're uh, in a log cabin. We're next to a fireplace, and, and maybe it's roaring. To, yeah, maybe token on a little stogie, and we're playing board games. Playing board games. So, so I love the smell. I think it's milky. It's got the roasted, like woodsy f- feel, and okay. then the flavor. It's it's not bitter because of hops, you know. And it's only got forty five IBUs, which are the uh, bitterness scale. Are you gonna say it's bitter because of the chocolate? I think it's bitter because the both the chocolate, but I I think at the very because the bitterness only comes for me in the very like aftertaste. And it's slight. I don't. It's, it's not so slight. Right, but I yeah. think that's coffee. Okay. You yeah. Know? I, I agree. Kind A of. A little bit of coffee, and now it's not. A lot of beers just like this is clearly chocolate and this is clearly caramel and this is whatever. This is all of that in one big blend. Elegantly combined. Right. You yeah. Know, this is a it's like chocolate, 
caramel and then those just roasted malt. That that malt base mm-hmm. is beautiful. It's just silk and it carries the beer throughout your whole entire palate. And then you got this kind of bitter twinge at the end, which is honestly a nice little wake up call considering the dream you just had. I'm just on base with everything you just said. I really like it, man. Yeah. I think that I think that it's like um, the color's beautiful. Yeah. It's a nice uh, super dark brown. Yeah, it's 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 not quite black, but it's getting there. Yeah, it's it, you cannot see through this thing. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like it's a beer that it's easy to take down, but it's not uh, it's not weak, you know. Right. You know, sometimes whenever you drink a beer and it's so and it flows down so smooth, it, it, it's like it's it's not bringing enough to the table. It doesn't have and, body or yeah, anything. This one has body. It has everything that I wanted in the in a porter, and I think that it fulfills its name very well. It's dark, dark rich, rich, and sexy, and it's man. sexy. You know, we know Esmeralda is Esmeralda. Sexy. It's like <laughs> at first she was just this lady dressed in black. We didn't know who she was. Now she's like dancing with a hula hoop. Yeah, and we're like okay, in a log cabin. Log cabin. <laughs> that we made the hula hoop out of log. It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I vibe with everything you said, man. I'm I'm pretty much on board with that. Okay, well, are you uh, you ready to jump into the segment? I'm 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 jumptastic, man. Jumptacular. Jump jumperific. You know you gotta do anything over there? Oh yeah, I am ready. Also, okay, he's good. Well let's do another get to know your banners. Alright, let's do it. Oh Hey, my name is <laughs> Hey. Oh no, you, no, you no, go no, first. my bad. What Have what's I your seen favorite you? um I'm Wait, sorry, you don't what think... was that? Get, get to, to know your banners. banners. Now we haven't done a get to know your banners in a while. That's sort of why I wanted to do another one. And yeah, you, know, you guys need to know more about us. Exactly. You don't know enough yet, <laughs> and I'm sure you've been dying for more. Like, these past two episodes, like, look, great, I, your cartoons, fine, whatever, but, like, tell me about you, you know? You know, most of the people that listen to the show don't actually know us. They really don't. Mm. <laughs> we don't even know how to say their names, apparently. Yeah, right. Sorry, Andra. <laughs> yes, Andra. Yes, I still feel like a jerk. Yeah, we, well, So you're welcome. We're doing what we can by acknowledging how awesome they are on the show. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to know, Hunter, what's the best dream you've ever had? So you're saying best dream. Yeah. Not most vivid, not most memorable. You're just talking about like... Those can play into why the dream was good. The most enjoyable dream. The best dream you've ever had. Uh, That's a good question. I like that question. Uh, It's really hard, you know... Dreams by nature are pretty much designed for you to forget them when you wake up. Um, so the, the vast majority of like solid dreams I had, I can't really remember the one dream that played so much. I I pretty much have to do that. I pretty much have to go with dreams that made such an impact that I woke up and I was like, I either wrote it down or I like told somebody out loud just so I wouldn't forget about it. Um, it was that one dream and I've definitely told you about this one. So I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a kind of a run through of this dream. All right. I'm listening. So. I am uh, out in the ocean, and I'm just kind of floating on just like a horrible current, like storm, right? I'm out by myself, and I uh, basically get picked up by this like pirate ship, okay? And it's like all these people, and the, uh, the captain of the pirate ship that I ended up get picked up on had a head of a buck deer that is so cool yes it was so it was it was like that that was the thing that singed in my memory most was seeing that guy (laughs) and like he never really said any like the captain never really said anything but he had this awesome like he was probably like a 14 point buck you know just had these badass like antlers or whatever 
And so he was kind of running the show. We dock on shore to this island and we basically go over to, there's like this big, we go on the island, there's a beach right in front of you. You go to the right and whenever you make your way over here, there's like this big kind of almost like pond lake thing. And there's a just an aisle of sand going by it. And at the end of that aisle of sand, there's like a little house. And so we go in that house. While we're, while we're passing that little uh, pond, I see this little like chunk of meat. It's like <laughs> green, and it looks like it got taken off of something, right? I'm like, what the heck is that? I don't really know what that is. It's all slimy and like, I don't know, it's dead. So I, w- whatever, we go by. We go into this house, and first everyone's kind of like drinking and stuff, and then I... Basically, what happens is I go into the place, and the perspective of the dream goes from the bottom floor, where I initially walk in, out of the house, up to the second floor window, and it shows me running up the stairs away from everybody in that building. Oh, that's crazy. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, yeah, like everybody saw who we were, and like they were against us or something, so I ran out and jumped out of the window, and I was like, okay, that was crazy. Got away from them. (laughs) On my way back, going across that little sand dune... I see that piece of meat or whatever that I saw before, but it had grown. It was probably to scale 30 times bigger than what it was before. It was like this, it was like turning into this monster, right? And I was like, this is the scariest thing ever. Like everybody that I was with, let's go. And this is actually a point in the story where in my dream, I actually had like a moment of clarity where I said, dude, what's going on? Where are we? What are we doing? Yeah. (laughs) Like I actually interjected my conscious thought in there and they were like, don't worry about it. Or like they kind of just brushed it off. And then I was like, okay. And then I just kept going in the dream. You're right. Yeah. So after we left that Island, uh, we got back on the, on the sea again and we got into a pirate, like uh, a pirate battle with another pirate ship. But the ship that we were going against was a zombie pirate <laughs> ship. Naturally. It was. And so we were, you know, we were doing all this stuff. We started losing and, um, uh, <laughs> They're like, you need to, you need to like cast out and try and like save yourself for whatever. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, what do you, you want gotta me? do? I was like, yeah, what do you want me to do? And they blow up this big turtle inflatable thing. <laughs> it's literally a turtle. <laughs> it's an inflatable balloon thing. And so I get on it and I'm like floating across the ocean or whatever, just trying to get away from it until I finally get to this yacht. Okay. God. There's a yacht out in the middle. It gets cooler and cooler. Right, yeah. There's a yacht out in the middle of the ocean. But this isn't like a yacht that you think about, right? You think of a yacht, you think this white, kind of like porcelain body. Pristine. Right. This was a wooden yacht, but it was like oak. You know, it was like a real fine, badass, crafted yacht, and it was floating. And so it was weird because I got up on the yacht, and I thought that, like, my presence would be, you know, everyone would see that I was there, but I kind of came up on the backside. There was two stairways going up to like the main deck where everybody was. And I started like walking up the stairs and somebody just passed me and acted like I wasn't there. And I was like, am I in, in this like reality where people can't see me? What's going on? So I walk upstairs and I walk into this main room and there's a group of people that are just having drinks. They're eating chips, you know, just, just partying, talking, <laughs> having, having drinks and eating chips. Yeah. You know, just having a normal <laughs> night out on the lake or on the ocean. And, um, <laughs> so I go up and, and it, this was the second point where I had a moment of clarity and I said, where am I? What are we doing here? What, what, what is, what is the, what is going on? And everybody kind of like, you know, greeted me and was like, Oh, we don't know you, but Hey, what's up? And then uh, they parted. And the main person who was throwing the party, whose yacht it was, who had the biggest in- cultural or social influence in this group of people, was this guy with a deer head. 
It was another guy with what? a head of a buck deer with antlers. But this guy talked, and this guy was super sociable and nice. In fact, <laughs> when he talked to me, he was like, he made a joke about the fact that he had a head of a deer in the dream. And I was like, that's funny. <laughs> you know, like shook his hand, and that's I was like, outrageous. cool, let's go. And that was the last thing I remember about the dream. But um, yeah, it was basically just this whirlwind of like different activity that went from place to place to place, but it was framed by this idea of a man being in charge with the head of a deer that's and I just, so cool yeah i just thought it was really cool so. it's cool that it was that long too right and that, was, and vivid enough for you to remember every part of it It was seriously like a six hour feeling dream yeah that's insane um so with mine it was it's sort of hard to like pinpoint one i feel like i've had a lot of what's funny is my most vivid dreams and my most memorable ones are actually like my my nightmares okay yeah um, yeah that makes sense my worst ones but I typically don't get too afraid from nightmares anymore. In fact, when I'm having really bad dreams, it is easier for me to tell that I'm dreaming or something. Yeah, I think you've told me about that. You'll just be like, I'm dreaming. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm dreaming right now. But one of the really good ones I had a couple years ago, um, I have like these locations that reoccur in my in my dreams mm -hmm. where like I'll I'll go back to these same spots over and over again. Okay. And I was and one of them is like an am amusement park. And there's this amusement park that I always have dreams at. And I was there with my family, with my mom and dad. And it was like really overcast, but we were still having like a good time. And um, I also preface this by saying this was like a time in my life when I had like, without getting too much detail, like a lot of baggage. <laughs> okay. And in the dream, in the dream, I decided to get rid of that baggage. Oh, And the second cool. I had gotten rid of it, I was like, all right, dad, let's, let's take off. Let's go fly. <laughs> and people have had flying dreams before, and they're cool. I really typically don't have flying dreams very often, but in this dream, this was one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had. Like, mm -hmm. the color, the feeling, I could smell it, I could taste it, everything. My my dad, we flew up into, like, the stratosphere. <laughs> like, the just the, the view of the clouds and, like, how big and epic they were. And actually, no, I had just seen the movie Chronicle. Oh, okay. And they do a lot of flying in that. I think that's where I got just sort of that... Image. That movie was cool, yeah. It was great, right? Yeah. So I'm flying through with my dad, and we're just like having this kick-ass time. And that just sequence of flying was one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced before in a dream. <laughs> and, um, you know, we just sort of, we flew around for a while and whatever. We didn't have like a lot of different chapters like your dream had, but we were doing that one thing for a really long time. But how it ended is like once we got down back to the floor... He was just like, man, is there anywhere that like you would rather be right now? And I was just like, the moon. And then I, I turned around, and I, we were on the moon, <laughs> and uh, we could see Earth like in the distance. Jeez. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to go to sleep now. And like I sat down, and I laid back. And the second I went to sleep in my dream, I woke up in real life. Jeez. And I was just like, it was one of those dreams where you want to go back to sleep so yeah. bad. You yeah, just I want, can imagine. You just want that more, you know? Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, your dream... It, it uses your experiences and your memories in order to kind of fill in dreams, mm -hmm. you know, fill in the, the surroundings of a dream, but it doesn't follow uh, chronological order. So you can go through, a, you know, a hallway and you're going through and everything looks the same and then you turn around and you're a completely different place, yeah. you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't adhere to what you just experienced. It's no crazy. Rules. That's what's so cool about uh, reading is when I'm reading different books, I'll end up having like dreams that are vastly influenced by that. That's when I was cool. when I was reading that Blood Meridian book, which is about like this band of outlaws who are just going around and killing people, mm -hmm. it's some brutal stuff. 
But when I was reading it and finishing it and getting really into the book, I was sitting on the, uh, just the, I think it's the West Mall or the South Mall of campus, right in front of the tower, the uh, grass area. Right, yeah, the lawn. Super beautiful days, just really pretty, good weather. And so when I had this dream the night after I finished the book, I was like caught up in this horrible band of outlaws, but I was in like this most beautiful landscape of white and green. (laughs) And it was like, because I read the book in that spot. Oh, okay. It was crazy, you know? (laughs) Cool, man. All right. That was a good one. Yeah. Well, your dream's super cool, and yeah, that was a fun little well, Flying is pretty cool as well. And I'm not going to argue. <laughs> you want to? Let's peek into Nick's Mail Corner real fast. Yeah, it's Nick's Mail Corner. Okay, so we have one email in the bag today. All right. Thank God, because I'm getting real sick of that feeling where um, we don't have any. <laughs> That's terrible. Am I... Uh... Am I jumping off of a, or am I on the, breathe. Is it, <laughs> just breathe. Is it Forrest? It is Forrest. Yes. Okay. Thank so you, Forrest. Friend of the, friend of the show, Forrest, who couldn't be on again to, uh, today, which is a real bummer because his presence is fucking awesome. <laughs> he, he has a question for us. Great. And he actually used in his question, a news story I almost included, but he says, Christoph Waltz from Inglorious Bastards and Django yes. was just added to the cast of the new James Bond film, allegedly Ooh. as a complex character or a nemesis of sorts. He says, discuss that. What is your favorite Bond movie? And explain why it's Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> then he says, next time I'm on the show, I'll explain why Skyfall is terrible. So let me, let me start, Hunter. Okay. And Forrest... What that sentence in the very end just told me completely validates my thought of you hating, hating everything. everything. <laughs> you hate everything, bro. And when you except come, for, except and when for you, Casino Royale, apparently. When you come onto the show, I want to hear in a non-humorous fashion <laughs> the logical reasons why you hate that movie. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie. Okay. And I've seen a lot of Bond movies. Skyfall right. is brilliant. And I will save why. I'll, we'll have that conversation when it gets here. Okay, fair enough. What's your favorite Bond movie? Okay, so... <laughs> All of the names of the Bond movies kind of rub together on me. Even the specific events that happen from Bond movie to Bond movie, I don't ever really retain like, oh, in Goldeneye, I remember when he did this. You know, like <laughs> I don't really like re- remember coming out of any specific James Bond and being like, best James Bond I've ever seen, hands down. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think it actually, you know, to Forrest's point, for me, I think it was Casino Royale. It was the new. It was like. The first version of the most modern version of, uh, or the first showing of the modern version of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan, in my opinion, was a great James Bond. I love. I really did like him as James Bond. He was a very believable Bond for me, um, regardless of the production of his works. Um, so, but <laughs> Daniel Craig was kind of like this new guy. He had a lot more edge. It was a lot less like I'm a suave. This 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 guy. It's like I'm more just a guy that's gonna kick your ass, and, and that's why I'm I know so how off. to do everything. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I'm a badass, you know. And uh, so it fulfilled kind of this new energy, this new vibe. And Casino Royale, I felt like, was a really good start into that new modern thing. It's, it, I think it like it played on a lot of classic Bond themes while still making it fresh enough for people to be able to enjoy it for what it was, not just because it was a Bond movie, but just because it was a good movie in general. And, uh, yeah, I think that the, that was, that was the one movie that I came out of being like, that was really good. You know, like the poker scene in that movie mm-hmm. was delicious. Great villain. It Love was, the actor who plays the villain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the, the torture scene, while it was harsh, yeah, 
it's it just validated how much of a badass James Bond is for me again, you know. And so, yeah, I I, I think I'll go ahead and, and uh, unfortunately, even though it's you know I'm falling into into playing into Forrest's hands right here, I'm gonna put Casino Royale as my favorite favorite Bond movie. I, I've I've seen it the most of any other Bond movie. I like it. Now going to Christoph Waltz being in the new Bond movie, I couldn't be happier. Super excited. I could not be happier. Anything that guy's in, I like. It I exactly. Every performance he's, I've ever seen him in just blows me away. I think Christoph Waltz is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I ser- like he is one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he's favorite- a weird bird. <laughs> well, yeah, he's dude. He's a weird bird, but he's an artistic <laughs> master. You know, masterful I mean, bird. A masterful bird. Yeah, yes. I'm glad that he's a bird. I yeah. like calling him a bird. For <laughs> my my friend, my uh, the president of my fraternity used to call people weird birds. Okay. That was like a, his reference for like that guy's kind of weird. But yeah, so he's kind of a weird bird, but. Yeah, like even you know whenever he goes, he's accepted speeches for winning like best supporting actor or something, and he just has these. They're brilliant. Weird, you know, they're brilliant, but it's weird. You know, it's like I can't even follow where his mind's going when he's saying this speech. But like I know that it's in the right place. You know, mm-hmm. like he's a badass, so I acknowledge that like his his work is great. But yeah, I I don't I I would be mad if he wasn't kind of a nemesis role if he wasn't playing that like counter to the James Bond because yeah. he seems like perfect for that kind it would of, be good yeah. I mean we'll we'll see how it how he factors in but dude I I am so stoked to see him in the new Bond movie I'm so stoked for the new Bond movie right because I love Skyfall so much yeah I mean I just love I feel like Christoph Waltz is really good at like playing mind games in his roles right so in Inglorious Bastards the first scene that he goes in oh my he's God. just playing an ultimate mind yeah, F that on that tension, guy dude and then the same thing in uh, Django. Whenever he gets to Candyland and he's talking to you know the the whatever the guy's name that Leonardo DiCaprio is playing, and it's a, it's a mind game. The whole experience there is just trying to play and keep up with some mind game. And I like heady stuff like that, you know. And I think that like the more Bond is pushed to like kind of counteract the fact that he's this physically dominant presence, but he has to be smart too. Like he has to be super smart. And I think that Christoph Waltz will bring that. So yeah. Totally. Thank you for the question, Forrest. He emailed the show at wittybantershow at gmail.com, just like you can if you want to be a part of the conversation. We would love for you to email in. We'll definitely read it. Do it to it, guys. Yeah, please. so please do. So um, I've talked at length, at, or not at length, I've talked about this beer for a little while. Why don't you go ahead and put the number on it first, Hunter? I already have my number. Okay. I'm giving it an 8.5. Nice. It is, be- it is, gr- it is a great beer. It's a little bit better than a great beer than me for me because, um, you know, I, I, I basically, whenever I'm assessing these different beers, not only am I looking for things that play to my, to things that I like, but also if there are certain things that jump out at me that I either wasn't expecting or that I don't like. And there's nothing that proactively I don't like about this beer. Um, doesn't taste like bacon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Point one for this beer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it um, it does. I think I feel like there is this bitterness that that exists in it, and I think that it's yeah, it is like a a blend of bitterness between going for that dark chocolate richness and having kind of like a roasted coffee bitterness with it, you know. And so I I pick up on that. I love it. I've been really like, I think I told you about this. Like, coffee has been more and more a part of my daily routine now. And so really? whenever I get yeah, whenever I get beers that like can play on coffee but it's not like a coffee beer you know i am i appreciate it and i enjoy it 
Um, great body, good alcohol by volume, pretty look at. Um, it, it, you know, we already kind of set drinks the tone. Easy. Yeah, it drinks easy. We already set the tone for like our ideal setting, and I think that that pretty much encapsulated how I feel about it. So yeah, it's for me, it's a, gr- a better than a great beer. It's an eight point five. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna go with an eight point five also. Okay. I think it's a great number. Um, That's why we're friends. Exactly. That's the only <laughs> reason, though. That's it. Um, when I drink. <laughs> The smell is great, dude. Yeah. We, when I just opened it and poured it, I could smell it even away, f- away from my nose. I wasn't even holding it up or anything. You could just smell this beer. And right. I just think about, when, you know, when I'm thinking it, I just have these images of barley fields and just malt being just roasted and just being in a warm, cozy environment. Mm. Um, and there's just like a milkiness to it. You know, there's like this creamy, velvet, even smell. In, well, in, I'd, I'd say caramel. Out- Okay, because, you know, like, creamy is, it's strong for this. I wouldn't call this creamy, would you? I mean, uh, yeah, I think there's silky. a thickness to it. Exactly. Yeah. But the smell is just so nice. Yes. And the taste just piggybacks off, piggybacks off of it. Um, and you just, like, I just, I feel like I can see a big chunk of chocolate. Yeah. When I drink it, you know? Yeah. And... The aftertaste of that sweet, like that little tinge of bitterness, mm-hmm. is is perfect. Yeah. It's not something that's gross or it's gonna like hinder you from drinking it. It's just there's so much elegance in this beer, right. and and that's that's but tough it's to subtle, do. You know? Exactly, it's, yeah. exactly. It's not like a forced elegance, you know. It's, right. It's like this nice, like I didn't think they were going for elegant with it, but it ended up being, you know. It's so. uh, dark, rich, and sexy. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> that it is. It lived up to its name. Well, that's been episode number 35 of Witty Banter. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find the show on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter. Sh- or just Yeah, Witty Banter. Uh, hit subscribe every week when we do an episode. It'll show up in your download queue automatically for free. Um, if you don't want to go through iTunes to get it, you can download it off of our website. We're wittybantershow.com. We have a Facebook page, which actually has just reached 100 likes. Oh, we got our 100th one. We got 100th like. Do you like. know who it was? I said we were going to shout out the person who it was. It was either Ryan Maines or like Edward Eduardo or something like that. I think it was Ryan Maines, though. Oh, man. How did I not see this, man? I, I literally like did a shout out about whoever was going to be on our 100th like. We're going to give you a shout out because we love you. Well, Ryan Maines, I love you <laughs> because you have so many opinions, and some of them piss me off. Others... <laughs> Really opened my eyes. So thank you, Ryan Maines, for liking the show. You're really helping Dude, us Dude, we have out. 101 likes. We have 101 likes! It's <laughs> like as many Dalmatians as that one chick had. Oh my god. Oh, it was close. Well, they got more than 101? <laughs> no, it was exactly 101. Okay, so yeah, we've got our Facebook page. We're facebook.com slash wittybanterpodcast. We're on Twitter where you can follow us, um, at Witty Banter Show. We're also on YouTube. Just search Witty Banter and hit episode whatever. And uh, you'll find just two talking heads doing exactly what you're listening to right now. Only you can watch us do it. Ryan Maines, Eric Espino, thank you for your support. Thank you so much. 101 right there. In fact, Ryan Maines is going to be on the show during winter break at some no point. Way. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to play. I don't know. He's dude. He's the guru. Is he the jam? He's the jam.com. Jam daddy. Jam city. Let's do it. If you took a lot of awesome, cooked it up, distilled it into better awesome, and then actually made a jam out of it and put that on your toast, mm-hmm. best toast you've ever had. I got you. I'm there. So we're on YouTube. Look us up there as well. Um, we're both on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Hunter's at Diesel Door Set. Mm-hmm. That's all we got. So for... till next week, right? For myself and for you until next week. Stay warm. Please. Banter people. This has been Witty Banter. Have a good weekend. Beep, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Better.